Action Park Media. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. Sit back, relax. The only place you need to be for the next hour is right here with us. On the Brilliant Dumb Show, I'm Big Game Bob, coming to you on your local airwaves. However you're listening, why ever you're listening, folks, we're just happy you are indeed listening. I say we, but because behind the glass on the ones and twos, back up and at them, there's our gal, Miss Narod Michelle. Narod, how are we doing today? We're doing excellent. Can't get rid of me. Let I'm me here ask, to stay. We don't want it. We, we don't want to get rid of you anytime do you, soon. I think you're do you doing think a phenomenal the job. The listeners like me? I think the listeners love you. The okay. feedback we've got behind with you behind the glass has been exceptional. So we don't want to get rid of you. We hope you're here to stay. Let me ask you this. Now, you see the gold chain. I came into the office with mm-hmm. a gold chain today. My girlfriend that just got me this. Bold play, but I actually, I like the gold chain. High risk, high reward, Robbie. You got you that right. You are at an 8.5 today. I'll take an 8.5 any day of the weekend. Is it now that I got this gold chain? And, and I think it adds a, a little bit of swagger. It definitely does. It looks amazing, and it brings a nice shine to that face of yours. And is there is there things that I now have to match the chain with? Like, I just can't wear a gold chain with anything, right? That's the only thing I worry about. I'm all for the gold chain. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I think it looks nice. Do I now have to incorporate matching the gold chain with different outfits? There's definitely things to be aware of. I think the crisp black shirt you're wearing is good. Yep. You can alternate it for any crisp plain shirt. Yep. But once you start, like, any flannel, any patterns, it might be too much. So, like, or even I had a sweatshirt on last night. And mm-hmm. I was wearing the chain with the sweatshirt. Would that be a no-go for the gold chain? If it's like a nice black, crisp sweater. Yeah. But if you're wearing like a old, dusty Ralph's sweater, then you skip the chain. See, the thing with the gold chain is if you're going to wear the gold chain, great. But you better be able to deliver a damn good podcast if you got the gold chain on. Because it might intimidate guests a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a bold play. I get that. Just be del- ready to deliver a damn good podcast if you're going to throw us on. Are you ready for a damn good show here? I sure am. Now, we got Kevin Clancy, KFC from Barstool Sports, that is going to be joining us today. He was one of the founders of Barstool Sports. It was him, Dave Portnoy, Big Cat, really interesting guy. He's the host of KFC Radio. And what I like about Kevin is he lets it fly, really doesn't hold anything back. I really don't think anything's going to be off the table with him. We're going to bring him on. I think he'll be a phenomenal guest. We look forward to Kevin. So without further ado, let's bring him on. This is KFC from Barstool Sports. There he is right there, ladies and gentlemen, the big man himself, Mr. Clancy. What's up, brother? How are we doing? doing? I tell you what, 9 o'clock slot here, Pacific time. Brother. 8.56. I am... I didn't even didn't even register until I clicked on the link and it said nine nine a.m. Pacific time. I I can't thank you enough for that. that no, I, no, I, Kevin, I, I I'm thanking you. You come four minutes <laughs> earlier, and by the way, you know the the freedom that you probably have with Barstool Sports. One of the most enjoyable guys to book a podcast time with. You said you want to do Tuesday, fine. You want to do Wednesday, fine. They're amazing. I'm ready for you at any time. I just talk. This is what I do. I'll talk in the morning. I'll talk at the night. I'll talk in the, the weekends, weekdays, whatever you want. Let's it, talk. You know, we're in the process. We just booked uh, Jeremy Piven. Uh-huh. And not to call the guy out, but the difference in booking Kevin Clancy 
and Jeremy Piven as far he wants to do the 935 slot he I mean it was just it's an astronomical difference I've always said man to me we've had you know at this point we've been lucky enough to have a lot of people come through the doors of Barstool you can always tell the people who come in with no entourage with no nonsense mm-hmm. like don't even worry about hanging up their jacket like you know, I think Joel McHale was the first guy. He came in by himself and just like threw his jacket show. on the ground and was like, let's talk. I was like, fucking let's go, man. You know, that's what I'm talking about. We had so him I on try to be show. that way. He, he's fantastic. McHale's fantastic. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, Kevin, he, he's, a, he's a great time. I was going to bust this out later down the road, but now that you mentioned it and the different people that come into Barstool Sports, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I, I love your show. I love what you do. You're an open book. We have a mutual friend through Sophie. And, and yep. what I like to get on the people, people who just let it rip. I think you're one of those oh. guys. <laughs> That's me, that, brother. <laughs> it sure as hell is. You know with, what it started as? I let it rip almost out of laziness where it's like I could like sit here and like come up with a bit and write something out and or or I could just tell you like what fucked up shit happened in my life today. And I was like, ah, let's do it. And then once you're open, you can't close so now i just got to keep up with it <laughs> but but do you feel like in a way you almost need a barstool sports because they almost encourage you guys to go out and to let it fly to where i mean it's like anywhere else do you think you might oh, yeah. have an issue oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it's barstool or solo for me like mm-hmm. i don't think there's nobody else out there that uh has your back as much like when shit goes wrong they're with you when shit goes right they they reward you they, you know, even there's a couple times where I'll, I'll, I'll say some shit I shouldn't. And I'm like, yo, boss, like I might have crossed the line on Twitter today. And she's like, nah, whatever. You're all good. You know what I mean? So it's like it's perfect for me. It's it's it, now you got it because, I mean, you're one of the founding fathers there of, of Barstool Sports, Kevin, to where it's got to be nuts for you. Now you guys are what you're in this big Manhattan office. I mean, the place is just amazing. And you're one of the, the, the people who founded barstool sports you gotta look back and is it just nuts for you to realize how the hell did we get to this yeah it's wild like we just opened up our uh our sports book app in chicago in illinois uh on thursday so we we're now open in a few states where you know we're running our own sports book with penn national and like you know the 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 office is you know this mega media you know conglomerate space and like I mean, right. I'm literally right now. I'm still in my apartment, but it all this. This is like where it started. Then we came back here for a pandemic, right? And we're all that. That was the coolest part for me. Was like it. It has been cool to see the growth from like working from home to a, a an upgrade in a in a an office space, and then to a real office space, and to go from just a couple guys fucking around to all walks of life joining up with the company. All that's been great. But whenever you think when shit hit the fan, and it was time to just go back to your roots and like. It's just you and your fucking laptop and your desk at home. Like, go make some content. And I think, you know, there's some new generation people who are kind of like, what do I do? I don't have the producer. I don't have the studio. I don't have this and that. I was like, let's go. Just let's fucking go. Let it let it fly. I almost found, too, that it's easier in the sense of maybe you'll lose a little bit of the production value, but it's easier to get guests because people have more time on their hands. No, Uh, that has been the biggest, biggest change, I think, is. I think people have lowered their standards a little bit where the audio quality and, you know, a Skype interview yeah. or a Zoom interview is not they the best. Kinda understand. But, right. Now, I think that the understanding came in and now, well, hopefully as we start to come out of it, 
I hope that there's still an element of the Zoom interviews where it's like, if you're going to be in New York, yes, let's do it in person. But if not, if it's going to take six months or a year for you to see, to see you again, let's just hop on and talk because everything's digital now. So, like, what's the big deal? I, I, I see you doing your show. I see you doing the One Minute Man. And it almost feels like, to me, you might even be more comfortable where you are in your living room even than Absolutely. in the studio. Dude, so look at this. I got this stupid little ring light right there. Got to right? have it. I got some dumb shit, you know, my kids artwork, a couple <laughs> things hung up on the wall, but the iPhone to me, man, like when I do, when I do one minute man from home, for the most part, I just kind of press record and let it rip. Yep. But there's, you know, a couple takes, I stumbled over some words. Oh, I forgot about this part, that part, whatever. And I like to be able to just like press stop, start again, press stop, start again, cut it myself on my phone, send it over to my producer. He puts it all together. When I'm in the studio, you know, they're like, just, just go and we'll, and we'll edit it. I start to feel subconscious if I'm fucking up and then it's a giant audio file. And I feel like they've got to do more work. I am so much more comfortable just on my own, doing my own thing. I love that. I it, It's funny to me. Cause I even think your one minute man skits has, have even gotten even better than they were from when the time they started. I hope. You, you're firing. I mean, you're absolutely. Yeah, man. I, 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 I think it, it, one minute man has been probably no, definitely the most successful, the, the fastest, six, most successful thing I've done, if that made sense. Like the podcast has grown and it's my, my bread and butter, but I took like 10 years. I started that in 2012. Yep. One minute man was like, you know, overnight we're doing millions of views. Like Videos pop. I was like, let's fucking go. Which, but that what's cool about that though. So one minute man started a few years ago, actually we did it on Facebook primarily. Yeah. And that was killing on Facebook as well. Then Facebook fucked with their algorithm the views dropped down considerably, and I was kind of like, "All right, I'm not doing this anymore. That fuck that. I'm not doing right. it. You know, I'm not getting major views. Fuck you, Facebook." So, kind of put that to the back burner, and then we we get word that 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 uh, Instagram's going to start to reward like original content a little more, yep. push it through their algorithm, and I'm like, you know what? I got this thing over here that I did a couple years ago that we can resurrect. So while it was like it's kind of a new phenomenon, it's actually not a new series, and I think that's kind of been. I'd say the coolest, but the corniest thing now, like 11, whatever, 12 years in that whole idea of like, there's no such thing as failure. It's all, you know, it's all just like mistakes. So you learn along the way, kind of starting to realize that's true where there's like a bunch of different content series that I've done that didn't pop back then, but are now the times right or the medium changes or the fan base changes. And I can like start that back up again. So I tell all the people at work, my sales team, the business team, I'm like, I can do all this shit now. Just tell me when and where, because I've kind of got the experience. Like it didn't pop, but I can do it. So if you think it'll pop now, let's fucking go. Let me ask you something, Kevin. Let me even backtrack here to when you guys were first starting Barstool. And the first guys that really kind of got it going, was it you, Portnoy, Big Cat, Feidelberg? Yep. So it started in Boston with Dave. Um, when it was a newspaper, he had a couple other guys, Jerry Thornton, Rear Admiral, Jamie Chisholm. They, they used to like, uh, uh, Manzo, a couple of his buddies that used to like write columns for the newspaper. So that was like the original team of Barstool Boston. Yeah. And then it started to expand into the city. So in 2009, I started it in New York. Uh, then Keith K. Marco started Barstool U. Then we started Barstool Philly. Then we did Barstool DMV. Barstool Chicago, now, so that that's where like it rounded out the team that you're thinking. Of. But when you're doing this at the time and it's just starting, are you still working at another job and doing this on the side? Yeah. So yeah, is it was there, the best man. <laughs> is there a particular point to where you say where it came to? Okay, now I can do this full time. Yes. Yeah, so so I was an accountant out of school, 
Uh, it's a story I've told a zillion times before. I, I had like this double life going. I got my MBA. I'm, I'm working for this accounting firm, Deloitte, and I, um, I'm a good miserable. Gig, by the way. You know what? It, it financially, well. yeah. Yes, it paid well. It, you know, good benefits, good security, and I was ready to just like ride that. But I was so fucking bad at it and so miserable. Like I can't even tell anymore if I was truly miserable or if I was like you know 24 years old and miserable just because life's not a fucking party anymore. Right. I wonder if I could go back and stick it out. Like if it would have been, if I would have gotten any better. But I was, I was not high there on like. I would go have a drink with the partner afterwards and people liked me. They weren't, I wasn't sticking around because of my fucking, my, my work quality, you know? So I start to blog. I I started to read Barstool to kill time at work, start my own blog just to fuck around and have some fun with it. Very similar to to the same style as as Barstool mixed in with a little bit more like nostalgia, like nineties kids type shit. Um, So I started doing that for fun. And that was right when Dave was like, I'm looking to expand into New York. So I, I, uh, my friends were like, you should throw your name in the hat and they throw your name in the ring. And I was like, I don't know. I got this pretty good thing going over here. I sent it to him and he was like, I've actually already been looking at this. Somebody's already sent it to me. And I was like, Oh fuck. That's like, that's a different story. Now, now it's getting real. real. Yeah. Yeah. So then the best of both worlds happens to me. He narrows it down to me and K Marco Keith. And he's like, I can't decide between you two. How about you split the work, split the money and you can keep your jobs. And to me, that was like perfect because I was already blogging on the side. This accounting job was a very unique one where they gave you all your work to, at the beginning of the month. And they were like, just get it done. I don't care when you get it done, how you get it done, just get it done. So I could come in late, go, go early, whatever I needed to do, work on my lunch breaks, the whole nine. So I was able to do both for like Jesus, probably two years. Jesus. It was, it was, it was, it was wild. Though. It was awesome. It was like I had this, this fan base that had no idea I was, I was an accountant. They thought they knew that I what I used to be, but I not that I currently still was. And I had a whole host of coworkers who had no, one dude found out. He saw me blogging. He looked over my shoulder and he was like, "What is here? that?" And he because he was the one who introduced me to, to reading Barstool and shit. So I was like, "We got to go to lunch." But I told him everything. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, I had this this double life going for a couple of years, and then which was great because it was like just bonus money. Uh, I kind of had the safety net, like if this accounting thing when this accounting thing does blow up, I've got a fallback. And, uh, and then when Barstool really started to be like, all right, this is sustainable. I was able to just, it, the best part, man, I wanted to keep my, my benefits at, at the accounting firm. Yep. And if I, if I quit, they, 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 that doesn't happen. So I, uh, I just dug my heels in to get fired and they were like, <laughs> why don't, why, why don't we, um, why don't we like transfer you to another group where you might see more success? And I was like, you know, I think I'm good. And they were like, we're telling you, you're going to get fired. And I was like, I think I'm yeah, good. Like, yeah, let's I just we're okay. Because, you know, you know they got to check every box. They got to make sure that they have like a full case to fire. I'm sitting there going, I'll sign away everything you want. Just fire me. And it takes like six months to do. So, I mean, it was this, it was this standoff, this game of chicken for a long time. <laughs> but, uh, but it all worked out. Well, at least for me, I don't know about them, but it worked out. And, and when it was time to, it, when it was time to go, I mean, you were ready. You knew that Barstool was a sure thing at, at that point. It was, or was a, it still a risk. It was not a risk. I never thought this, I never thought this was going to happen. Well, I think that we kind of had a good balance. Like Portnoy is, you know, this, this maniacal personality. Like he's, he's going to, I think he'll be worth a billion one day. He's just one of those like rare people in history, you know? 
And so I think he, you know, we, there's, there's, there's footage of us from back in the day with him being like, companies want to be us. Like there, there are people in boardrooms saying, how can we be like Barstool? And I'm looking around. I'm like, are you the fuck <laughs> kidding me? Nobody wants to fucking be like us. So I think there was a good balance of that. Obviously he was right. Thank God he was right. Um, I'm always a little more like pessimistic and always expecting the worst. At that point, I knew that I had a paycheck and a steady gig with some pretty good upside. Right. I never, I mean, when, when we sat down two Super Bowls ago and Dave said that the company sold for 450 million, like, you know, some people I think in, in the entertainment industry are like, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to make it. I was like, never that dude. I just wanted to not be miserable at work. So when you start throwing around numbers like that, it's like, insane. I mean, truly genuinely insane. So I knew at that point, you know, I was like, my parents won't kill me anymore. My parents will be happy right. that I got, you know, a 50K salary and a job that I can count on. But, you know, there was a time uh, at one point we did the, the Barstool Blackout Tour, which was like a when EDM music was really popular. Yeah, it was just this. like a techno. Yeah. And that if it wasn't for that, I don't know what would have happened because I think we were I think we I don't know. You know, Dave, Dave knows better, obviously. I think we were falling on some hard times because I remember Feidelberg was still like my intern at the time. He was getting paid like 500 bucks a month. And Dave was like, we got to cut back. Like, like your boy can keep writing, but like, you know, we just got to let him know. So I think like finances were getting tight. And then like, thank God this EDM thing happens. And I think that, you know, opened some doors and kept us afloat. But I think for the most part, by that point, we were steady guaranteed. But the, the this, this level... No, I didn't. I didn't see it coming. Kevin, you know what's amazing that that you guys do that I really appreciate, and I think it's a lesson to a lot of people. And Dave, I mean, does it all the time to where, if controversy or or something comes up, okay, you had that tiger tweet that people were trying to go there and cancel you for all that. When something like this stuff comes up, don't you feel that it's almost better to take it head on? And at times even double down. I mean, Dave Absolutely. always rather than if you come out with this apology, it almost gives them more reason to officially cancel. Where as even Dave with his sex tape, Dave came out with sex tape comes out, he's cracking up about it. How do you how yep. do you get at the guy? So don't you think is it better to just take this stuff head on as it comes out, bro? Let me ask you something. Is it is it better to do that in real life? Like, is it better to just face yeah. your problems and, and handle shit? Absol yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think I do think doing all of that with a level of honesty, though. So like over the summer, uh, the, the the cancel company, the cancel culture went after us for um, uh, Kaepernick stuff back when he first was kneeling for the anthem. Okay. And there was some shit that I said and some shit that I wrote that I was not proud of that I did think was like, Oh, like I couldn't, when I reread it, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I even read, I wrote that shit. Right. And so that one, I was like, yeah, like my bad, like that was trash. And like, I, you know, that I, I, that was before we even knew what he was all about. I was saying he was just looking for attention, all these like misinformed things. So I was like, yeah, I was wrong. Good for you. And then people were like, well, okay. You know, it's like, what are you going to do? So, but, but then something like the tiger tweet was more of a uh, bad timing as opposed to me, like in poor taste. And that I'm going to stand my ground on because it's like, fuck off like that. If you if you you know know what I was thinking, then then it's it's totally understandable. So I think for the most part, it's always better to be like, fuck off, because, man, it, the, the world. I don't know. I don't know where we all end up, but I know this. 
Humans are not able to to take on this much interaction, right? Like from this many people, and and that if you if you have like a hundred followers, it's too much. So when you're talking about hundreds of thousands and millions, they're gonna there's always gonna be a problem. There's always gonna be somebody after you, and and you can't like take it personal. You can't let it take you down because it's just not natural. So I think you just have to kind of forge ahead because they will be on to the next thing. You know, again, talking about jokes that are too far or, um, you know, thing, there are certain things that are cancelable. You know what I mean? I, right. I'm not, I don't want to just say you can For do whatever sure. the fuck you want, For sure. but when you're talking about making jokes and trying to entertain and, and you, and you slip, they slip up step too far. I think it's always better to meet it head on and be like, fuck off. Well, it's funny, too, because I, I think Barcelona fans are almost known for it to where, and I, I mean, you've addressed it all the time, is like when they come in your comments, they like to be harsh on you. It's kind of the Barstool things to where they're not going to come in and coddle you. They like to push Trial by buttons. fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I, I mean, I tell a story all the time is I had a video um, that I guess you could say went viral, was doing numbers, and I sent it. I was friends with, friends with Frankie Borelli. Okay. And a couple of years ago, and I sent it to him, and he said, okay, this is going to be posted. Me, at that point, I thought I made it. Like, for me, that was, <laughs> that, that was it. I'm going to be posted. Right. I'm going to be – I mean, this is it. It was a Goodyear blimp flying over Miami Marlins Stadium, and the roof of the stadium is closed. So okay. I'm saying, you know, only the Marlins <laughs> would pull off something like this. So I did right. it. And I remember one of the first comments that come in after they post it was, it was something like, this guy's voice makes me want to cut my ears off or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. You know, I was telling my parents to, to keep an eye on right. it. You know? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. You, do you, do you kind of come accustomed to it now, Kevin, to where now you post something, you just know it's going to be in the comments? Yeah. I mean, uh, so there's a few things. Yes, first of all, after like a decade in, it, it's, it's only natural that it kind of right. rolls off your back. Two, I think I can now tell what's like some real honest criticism where I'm like, you know what? Yeah, they maybe I right. did like maybe I did cut off that. Uh, I did I, just, I did speak over my guest or whatever versus like, you know, the the the, the, the podcast has been out for one minute and, and the person's commenting like this was trash. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, so I think I can tell that. And then also, unfortunately, I went through some like fucked up shit with uh, my marriage and a divorce. I went through some real problems where all of a sudden the comments about like, whether you think my blog post is funny or whether you think my hair looks good. I'm like, I don't even fucking care about that anymore because I'm taking real heat over here for some real <laughs> shit. So like anything else, you know, I think some, I think, I think what we're seeing if, with all this shit is that like, you know, your last question. And now this is like real life is becoming your computer, your online life. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. And so like the way you handle your shit in real life is kind of the way you should handle your shit online too. So it's like anything else where it's like, I don't know. It's just a bizarre world where it's like you, you let these people who you don't know it don't mean anything to you affect you. It's like, no, nah, you can't. You can't. I, I say this, though. When people are like, I don't read the comments or I don't even see it, I'm like, bullshit. Yes, you do, because we all do. 100%. I think you should read it. I think you should. It's. I mean, listen, Feidelberg might be the only person. Feidelberg is maybe the only guy in the world when I he believe will he not, says, I don't will not read anything. I mean, the kid is oblivious. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. It's <laughs> hey, good for him. That might be for the best. Absolutely. I'm you know? so jealous of it. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I have that that curiosity. I have a little bit of like, I need to know the feedback. So I think you read it, let it in. If you let it change what you're doing, that's the problem. The minute that you're like, okay, I'm not going to tell that joke or I'm going to do this because this one guy said so, then you're fucked. So I say, read it, take it in. You know, you need some level of criticism. You, you know, you see some a few things pop up a few times. Maybe you got to address it. 
but uh, don't let it change you. You make a good point, too, because I do think there's some comments that you see and you're like, okay, you know what? They really have something here. And, and then there are definitely some other comments to where it's like, you know, like the video has been out for a minute and they're, they're firing something in, whatever it may be. Yep. Um, they do have the uncanny ability, though, to, to, to say the shit that cuts – Right to your core. Oh, you know what oh, I mean? first. You know, sure. I, I saw I saw your video this morning talking about you know you were talking about your forehead where it's yeah, like massive. Better to just get out in front of it, man. Just get out. <laughs> it's a big forehead though, no, Kev. It's not small. It's not small, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> but yeah, get out in front of it, and then you know it's kind of like what you're going to say if you're making fun of yourself. What are they going to say for that? Absolutely, you know? man. Kevin, Absolutely. Let, let me ask you this, okay? What is and and it's again a testament just to how big Barstool is. You, you're working this accountant job, and then everything pops off. Where What about as far as going out? You go out to a restaurant. You go out to a bar. Now you're getting noticed. I mean, I think just about anybody that goes to Barstool at some point now is getting noticed. You see the face a lot. Yep. Is that a little bit – is that is there an adjustment yeah. period with that for a while? What was good for me was – being in New York because you can get fucking enormous in New York. We're not, I'm not talking about blog shit. I'm talking about real life fame and you're, you're still taking the subway. You're still popping into the coffee so shop true. on the corner, you know, like you can be monster in, in New York and there's the Broadway section of town that doesn't know anything about the sports blog. And there's the hipsters in Brooklyn who don't care about it either, you know? So I think that was good where I where the places I hung out and like these Murray Hill bars and these Upper East Side, like post-college spots, that was like, you know, that was my territory where everybody knew me. But there was enough anonymity in New York that it wasn't like anything overwhelming. Right. I think some of, you know, Philly, Boston, like smaller. I mean, Dave is a fucking deity in that. In I, that city. I mean, he I mean, probably like, can't go anywhere without being, nah, I mean, he, he's getting he, mopped. He ran for mayor as kind of a joke. Well, definitely a joke. But like I, the numbers were there that I was like, holy shit, oh shit, and now and that's a fraction of what he was at now, so like he's got some true fame and notoriety. Um, I'm happy to just like I'll take some pictures and say hi, whatever. Um, if right. I could do all this with the money and the success and shit with none of the fame, I would do it in a heartbeat. But you know, I'm I'm happy to uh to like. It's, it's, it's always flattering if someone recognizes you yeah. and says what's up and they like your shit. And it's always been a good as, – as much heat as I get online, everything in person has always been like, let me buy you a beer, let's do a shot, whatever. Right. So um, as long as it stays like that, I'm, I'm golden, man. Safe to say you're at a good level of fame, Kevin. You had a very good level of fame. Well, here uh, – in a couple years, um, I'll be able to cash in a little bit on this. And then I'll be at a good level of fame. Because <laughs> right now, right now, it's still pretty fucking stressful. There's a lot of heat, a lot of hate, a lot of pressure. And I don't exactly have, you know, this is the, this is the apartment I'm still in here. It's nothing glamorous where it, it's, I've always said that there's the, there's in between level of Barstool fame where you have a lot of the, the drawbacks of being known and you don't quite have the money to, you know, to make up for it yet. So it, but yes, it's it's good in the sense I don't have to worry. I, I can go out and I can do shit. I don't have to worry about that. I'm not I'm not Britney Spears, you know. <laughs> I tell you, once you sell, then you'll really enjoy doing the Zoom calls from home. I mean, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple, couple more years and things should be pretty good. Fucking knock on wood. Let me ask you this: You mentioned Joel McHale, who who I love. I I mean, I I, I think he's awesome. With all the people that are rolling into that office, okay? Mm -hmm. Is there anybody? 
Give me somebody that exceeded your expectations and somebody that you could do without that just gave you nothing. Ooh, that's, <laughs> the most recently we did Brian Cranston, who okay. I am like, I'm a huge breaking bad guy. Love all his other work. I just watched the Showtime show. And I, uh, that was the first time in like years that I was nervous, not nervous, but I was like, like, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck Jittery, it up. Usually, right. Yeah. Usually I'll just go into an interview and be like, let's just talk. I don't care who you are, you know? And that one had me being like, don't fuck this up, Kevin. And so I just told him that off the jump. I was like, Brian, I'm fucking nervous, man. Like Nailed you're, you're, on, cause I was like, you're not only are you talented, but you seem like a good dude. And I start to like list off all these things. And he was like, would you shut the fuck up? <laughs> fuck, like, and just totally like disarmed it all. And we laughed and I was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, like, you're I, good I got to it go. out of the way. Yes. Oh, he was like, awesome. like, fuck, like, shut the fuck up with this list. Fuck, you know? And I was like, wow. That was great. So he for sure exceeded my expectations. Um, we've been getting more into the comic world in the last few years. And um, it's it's bizarre that sometimes you, you'll see like a comic whose work you love and then it doesn't translate to the yeah. conversation, you know? So like they're, they're killer on stage with like setups and punchlines. And then when it's like, yo, what's up, man? Like, just talk to me about life. And it's just like deer in headlights, no. you know? So yeah, that's that's an interesting. That's that's when I started to learn that there is a little bit of like an art form with podcasting, where it's like this guy is no doubt a funnier person than me, like brilliant, like observational humor and shit. But you know, he comes into my world and he looks like he's like not, not even in the business. Like so that's when I started to get to understand like there's something here with the way to podcast, the art of podcasting. Well, you guys are at a point too, to where, you know, these people that come on, you can get so many people on to where a lot of them, they come on, they're promoting something to where you're there. You're doing a service to them as well. It's like, yeah, you know, you have the honor of having them on, but at the same time, you're helping them out too, to where it's kind of a two way street to where you'll hope that they give you everything they got. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, my my dream, and I say dream because it's, you know, a fucking lofty, lofty thought. But the way that, like, on the West Coast, you know, you get a, a Joe Rogan appearance, it's like, boom, you're made. You're golden, you know? Oh, yeah. And obviously, I am a fraction of a fraction of that. But, you know, the thought of if you get on my show and and my audience knows that I – I think my audience knows when this is a promotional press tour and you come through and you see them on totally. the late night shows – and, totally. and they re retelling the same stories and all that shit. And I'm like, yeah, man, I love your stuff. Versus when I'm like, yo, your special was fucking funny. So they know when I'm really co-signing. And I, I like, I would love to get to a place where it's like, yeah, if you're on the East Coast and you go through New York and, and they shout you out and put you on, that it can really, you know, with, with Rogan, it's like, you're made. With made. me, it's like, you know, I would hope that I could just raise your numbers that you take note of. Like, hey, I, those guys do move the needle for me. We had uh, we just had Forrest Galante on the show. He's a uh, Animal Planet host, and he went on Joe Rogan, and he talked about the experience of he didn't really know much about Rogan going on to the first oh, time with them. Wow, <laughs> didn't know anything about it. Goes into the studio, which is maybe for the better, so he doesn't psych himself yes, out. Absolutely. Leaves Rogan. Episode airs. He wakes up that morning. And that phone's just going bananas. Absolutely. Just I mean, totally it's crazy. Popping. The it's power insane. is crazy. And I, to think that there are still people who are, like, late to the show, who don't get it, you know? It's like, man, this is the new – it's not even new. This is just the way now. Like, catch the fuck up. You get a, you get a spot on a show like that, 
the money, the life, the like everything can change. Changes everything. Changes yep. everything. Even with yep. the internet too. One video that goes up. I mean, it could just, it could change mm -hmm. it all. Um, and, and Kevin, before I, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you one more thing that I want to touch on. You're a, a very devoted. You're well known of being a Jets fan. I'm a Jets guy as well. And uh, I, I gotta it's ask, tough. and I hate to leave you on this note. I really do. But what, what bothers you the most? About the Jets, because like for me, you look at the Jets and you could be excited about going into the draft and you got a good draft pick. The thing for me with the Jets is it's not like you just focus on one side of the ball or we just need help at this, but it's yeah. everywhere. <laughs> what bothers you most about yeah. the Jets? Uh, let me, uh, for the sake of being somewhat positive, let me just say I do think for the first time in a long time, maybe like ever in my life. <laughs> my adult life, at least GM and head coach. I think we are in like a solid spot Great. where whether or not those guys can win you a, a Super Bowl, who knows, but let's just baby steps here. We're no longer a laughing stock. You know what I mean? Like the, the Adam Gase thing was, was fucking, that was insanity, dude. Horrific. That was like me, my dumbass self sitting at home. The, the minute the ink was dry on the paper, I was going, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, how does a, how does a professional organization make that decision? So, I think what frustrates me the most, though, is <laughs> like at what point <laughs> I can tell how much it gets. To you. It's so like, great. at what point do you think that there really just is something else at work where it truly is destiny that they'll just always be bad? Like it doesn't make <laughs> sense. Like this league, the NFL is really a great league when it comes to parity and turnover. And there's always a, a team that's six and ten that goes ten and six. And there's a chance that, you know, the Bucks, you know, granted Brady's a freak, but like, you know, it can just happen. And it just doesn't for us. And it never does. And at what point are you like, is it me? Is it you? Or is one of us cursed? What the fuck is going on here? Because it feels like no matter what you do, it just doesn't work. And it sounds maybe ridiculous to say, but but when it comes to the Jets, it almost is true that you do wonder by the time, you know, we're buried, will we ever see? Oh. You, you do wonder. I, I promise you, the day that I kick the bucket could be tomorrow. It could be when I'm 85. Bet the fucking rent on the Jets and the Mets and the Knicks and everybody <laughs> I root for. And the day that I check out is the day that they got a parade down the Canyon of Heroes. Take it to the bank, man. Sometimes I feel like I should just off myself for the fan base. I'm right. doing this yeah. for you guys, take, you know? yeah, take a hit, Kevin. Take a hit. I mean, fuck. Shit. Hey, it's, it's tough, man. Kevin, before I let you go, last thing here. This is coming from Benny the Jet, our producer, who wanted me to file this in. And I actually think it's a good one because I actually looked at the question and I said, you know what? I Actually, I, I don't know where he'll go with this. Okay, you ready for this? Okay. Kill, yeah, hit me. Kill, fuck, Mary. Mm -hmm. Dave Portnoy, Big Cat, Feidelberg. I mean, I got to kill Dave. I hate that son of a bitch. <laughs> Like, like, I kill him now. I can't kill him. I can't kill him before the deal's over. You know what I mean? Right, He's yeah, too important to get the deal yeah, done. Yeah. But it's like, as long as, as I got to look at the paperwork. As long as there's nothing like a like a some sort of life clause with Portnoy, I'm killing him. He's. Done. I gotta marry Feidelberg. I gotta marry him. He's my he's my my guy for life. And I'm just taking the big boy in bed for a ride. <laughs> me and Big Cat. <laughs> hey Kevin, big fan man. Really appreciate what you're doing, and I appreciate Thanks, you hopping on the show, brother. 
I, thank you, and I appreciate that 9 a.m. slot, man. Not many people out there willing to do ah, it. Ah, so you kidding you. me? That's nothing, brother. I appreciate you, buddy. You take care, all right? Have a good one. Later, dude. brother. Action Park Media.